Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. What an honor and a blessing to be here this morning, to be visiting with you and talking with you about Psalm 118. I'm just so excited about it. But before we get started, I need you to open your Bible. And I would venture to say that a lot of you that are watching today don't have a Bible handy. It's probably in another room or on the table. So you can run get it. You have time to do that while I'm just talking a little bit up front. Um, a, a little bit more just to learn a few things about me. So when I was young and going to school in uh, mostly junior high and high school, uh, the subject that I really despised the most because it took the most time for me was math. Uh, and math just was not fun. I didn't see it as fun. I struggled with it, but I did pass my classes. Then as I got older, uh, especially uh, once I found a career, and my career was in the financial industry, working in banks, I discovered that, you know what? It wasn't so bad. I had to learn how to budget and follow a budget and manage to a budget. I had to learn about spreadsheets, numbers, um, financial statements, uh, looking at income tax returns, all kinds of things having to do with numbers. And you know, the whole time I kept thinking, I believe the Lord was back there at that time I was going to school when I was saying, why do we have to learn this? And he's probably saying, just you wait, just you wait. Now, the second class that I really struggled with was history, because to me, history was just all about memorization. Memorize those dates, memorize those wars, memorize those names. Not a fun thing for me to do. I really struggle with memorization. But then, um, in history, when it came to that, and I started traveling, especially once I got out of high school, while I was in high school, learning a lot more, reading a lot more in my Bible, attending youth groups, going to church, you find out the Bible's all about history. And then when I traveled, I go to the East Coast, go up in the Sierras here to the gold country and learn, oh, there's history here. It's exciting. I love the traditions, the customs that you learn. And then you go to Europe and you find out how old it is over there and how the United States is really young. And I went to Scandinavia, went to a lot of museums, and then I went to Africa and learned a lot of history about the area. And then in the beginning of this year, I can't believe it was only this year, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and learn and see a lot about history of things that I had read about and I learned in the Bible. It was just so eye-opening and so exciting for me. But I have to tell you a secret about something I saw the other day on memorization, and this is kind of cute. There was a little film clip, and it was a mother who was filming her four or five-year-old daughter who had learned the Lord's Prayer. And um, she said to her daughter, can you say the Lord's Prayer? And she started in, did really well. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But guess what? Her mother stopped her and said, what is the name? Howard. Howard be thy name. That's the way the little girl learned it. Because, of course, at this point in time, it sounds like they hadn't 
given her the written part. She had just learned it from hearing everybody else say it and always being around it and saying it with the family. So I think that's just a warning. Memorization is good, but you have to be careful that you're memorizing the right thing, what is written. And boy, our Bible is full of history, and it is written. So the last thing I want to talk about and say to you is, after we got home from Israel, our church um, ran a couple of sessions that we could come in, and I signed up to work with Sherman Glenn on my spiritual gifts. And we did the survey for spiritual gifts. I had not done that for probably over 50 years. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. And when I did it, and it came out, and it said, your spiritual gifts are teaching, preaching, and leadership, all within one or two points of each other, all very strong. And at that time, I said, Lord, it's wrong. No, that is not right. Back when I was working, I would go out and talk to different groups. And I would, sometimes it was business people, sometimes it was people that were not bank related, it was about a certain subject, maybe it was going and asking for them to consider uh, donating to United Way, which I also work with and still do to this day. And after I would make a presentation, they'd come up and they'd say, Marlene, so do you preach? No, I don't preach. Well, you should. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not my thing. Sherman calls me towards the end of the summer, midsummer, and he says, we're doing, uh, Pastor Greg has designed a series to be done on the um, fruit of the Spirit, and we'd like you to do one and preach on a Sunday. I stared. Well, I'm on the phone. I just stopped. I couldn't say anything. He said, Marlene, yes. Would you pray about it? I think you need to pray about it. So I didn't get a chance. I didn't answer. Two days later, he calls me back. And I had prayed and prayed and prayed. And I was just really torn. And basically, you know, he called and he said, okay, what did you pray? And will you preach for us? And I said, yes. So I guess I've done okay because I'm called back again to preach again. But you know, I always said, no, I'm not a preacher. I told the Lord that that survey was wrong. It's not right. I'm not going to be a preacher. I didn't want to be a teacher. But I did get into leadership. But to me, I have enjoyed this so much. And now, as we get ready to look at Psalm 118, I hope you join me. I'm not a trained preacher, but I sure have enjoyed all the research and discussion with other ministers about this section of the Bible, Psalm 118. So, before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. We thank you for every day. We thank you for the beauty in the sky, the beauty on this earth now that we are going into fall. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings, for being with us. And we pray, Lord, that today, uh, as people are joining in and listening to this discussion to talk about Psalm 118, your thanksgiving and praise psalm. I pray, Lord, that it will hit the heart of some that are listening today. Thank you, Lord, and may my words be your words, Lord. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you have your Bible. I have mine right here. 
So let's start with Psalm 118, and we're going to read 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump over to 22 and 23. When we go through the uh, sermon today, I will talk a little bit about what's in between, but we're not going to spend as much time there as we are in the beginning and the end. Okay, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the home of Aaron say, his love endures forever. And let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So before we do a deep dive into Psalm 118, let's talk a little bit about a history lesson about Psalms. Remember, I didn't enjoy history when I was younger. I do now. So Psalms is often referred to as the living psalm. Why? Why is it the living psalm? Well, I'll tell you what my interpretation of that is. If you take the psalms and you uh, change the dates and change the events, so much of it is related to other times and dates. And so much of it can even be related today. You know, the angst, the cry out, the um, war and the victory and the everything going on within the Psalms, so much of it just almost repeats and can be used at various times. It's living, and it's living today. It helps us all individually today. I mean, if you need a calming point in your life, I got to tell you, just pick up the Psalms and sit down. Sit down and start reading it. Um, Look at the various ones. There's 150 of them, of the different um, books in Psalms, that you, or the chapters in Psalms that you can pick up and read. Okay, so if you look at um, what psalm means, it's in um, Greek, psalm means songs. And in Hebrew, it is hale, meaning the song of praise. Ah, hallelujah. It's the song of praise. One-third of the Bible, one-third of the Bible is written in poetry, unlike our English poetry. If uh, you think about it, remember Psalms, most of it was written, some in Greek and some in Hebrew. And if you look back at the Greek and the Hebrew, it probably rhymes a little more. It makes more sense as being poetry. But you take and interpret that. To us, it may not seem like poetry, but a lot of psalms has been put into songs, which to me are beautiful poetry. Not all songs are written by David. Okay, we've come to know that over this study. And some are written by writers unknown. Others are written by kings. And some of it in psalms is written by priests. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, if you think about it, songs that um, go through the ages tell history. 
a lot of songs do. And I'm talking about S-O-N-G-S, songs. Those show the history of what's going on, what's happening, not in all cases nowadays, but a lot of times it does. And when we were in Israel and we went to the Wailing Wall in old Jerusalem, women on the right, men on the left, walking up there, I could tell there were some Jewish um, young students, girls that were, and some older women. They were all carrying these little books that, um, almost like a little prayer book. When I got up to the wall and um, put my hands on it and I was praying, and then every once in a while I would just kind of step back and look up and then I'd look to the side and I would see the women with their books open. It was all handwritten. It was all handwritten. It wasn't printed pages. You could tell. And it was tiny, tiny and so close because many of the Jewish schools, they memorize and they learn things um, to be able to say the prayers. And I'm thinking that much of it must just be what's copied from either the Psalms or other parts of the Bible in the Old Testament. Because the Jewish people, of course, believe in the Old Testament and not the New Testament. So they would read that and probably memorize. If I looked at them, sometimes their eyes would be closed and then every once in a while they'd open them. And I'm thinking they were actually memorizing and saying their prayers of psalms using their prayer books. Psalms is divided into five books. So there's 150 chapters, and they're divided into five different books, of which 118 is the book of praise and thanksgiving. So let's look at Psalm 118. Now this is interesting. Here's another part of your history lesson. There are three beliefs as to how the um, chapter of 118 was written. And I'm thinking, who knows? People could have added on to it, taken away from it, you know, change it based on the date and time. But there's three beliefs of what goes into it and how it was used. The first one is, it is a song of thanksgiving, written as liturgy, possibly used during the time of the second rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. The second, because it's not written by David, we know that. So it could have been written by a priest, could have been written by somebody else, unknown. The second is it was used as Israel celebrated the delivery from Egypt and the victory over the Canaanites. So you find parts of it there again. So maybe not full word by word, but a good portion of it is found there. And the third way is it is used as liturgy um, by a king long after a victory of a battle, okay? So many of us know what liturgy is. Liturgy, of course, is usually where you have somebody that does a leading and then there's a response to it. Leading and then there's a response to it. I have to tell you, if you just read this part and you understand this, and we'll talk a little more later, Thanksgiving. They were talking about Thanksgiving and praising God and giving Thanksgiving to God back in the early days before Jesus came. It's in the Bible. But here we are in the United States. We think of Thanksgiving as basically being this coming Thursday, don't we? 
and we're celebrating, it's a celebration, but it's not just something that was created here in the United States. It has been there in history for many, many years, Thanksgiving, but there's no date specific to it. Thanksgiving and praise should be every day. Now, some of the research that I did even stated that Psalm 118 was even um, used and said by Jesus and his disciples, or the apostles, whichever you want to call them, disciples, at the Last Supper. So here you go from the Old Testament now into the New Testament, and we'll see more of this happening in just a minute. Okay, so let's look now, and um, we're going to go to Psalm 118, 1 through 4. It begins with a call to praise by the priests. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Here comes, because this is part of the liturgy, the response by the people. His love endures forever. Now, you can find this specific sentence in other places. And um, you can also refer to it today, forever, and it's very fitting for today. But let me just tell you that in Ezra, if I go back to Ezra and look at Ezra 3.11, we find this phrase being used. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. This is where the people were, along with the priests, and they were celebrating the construction of the Temple of Zerubbabel. That was back in 536 B.C. Okay? Part of your history lesson today. But we're going to do something a little different here. This is so important, and it's almost like one of those things that we should all have at all times and think about it. His love endures forever. He is always with us. He is always with us through good and bad, thick and thin. He is with us. So we're going to try something here. We're going to do a little liturgy, and I'm going to do the call, changing the words a little, and looking for a response. So the first one is, let covenant living say, His love endures forever. Let the house of Oppenheisen say, His love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Okay, now that was the participation where you should have come in. So those of you that are home, even though I know a lot of you are just sitting there and list, hopefully listening, watching, we're going to try that one more time because I want you to respond along with me. You ready? Let those who fear the Lord say, His love endures forever. Then after this, you have the priests continue on, and they praise, they give testimony, they give petition and thanks, 
and then there will be another call to praise. So it reminds us a lot of the liturgy that we have done in churches at times, doesn't it? With the response of reading being up on the big board, and the pastor would lead it, and we would respond. So think of the years and years that this has gone on. I still think today also about some of the songs that we sing, how those songs really are about praising and thanking the Lord. They're a call to praise. Praise the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. It's one song that comes to me that is such a beautiful song, and we have sung it at times. You know, I, for one, have really not praised the Lord and thanked him as much as I should. I do a lot of asking, <laughs> don't we all? But it's the praise and thanksgiving that we need to give him. So to me, part of that is I'm setting a personal goal to take Psalms and go from the first chapter all the way to 150 and at least every day read one, maybe two or three, and read those psalms and praise the Lord and thank him for what he's done for me. Okay, now if you, this is Psalm um, 1 through 4, and if you look at what goes on in between that and verse 22, it's, as I said, it's usually a petition or a praise or it's the priests or the king or someone speaking. But let's take a look at a couple of things that are in there. First of all, verse 8 says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust man, which is also found in David's Psalm 27. Okay, so we go from 118, we go back to 27. You know, there's a lot of this going on within the Bible where you find it in multiple places. Pastor Catherine Shane spoke about this just a couple of weeks ago. Verse 17 gives us hope. I will not die but live. Once again, it's in Psalm 25. Verse 19, open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks, for you have answered me and you are my salvation. Rotimi preached on this just a few weeks ago. The joy we have in his salvation and the joy we will have going into the gates of heaven. Okay, so let's look now. Let's go to Psalm 22 and 23. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or cornerstone, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, why did this come up at this point in time? Why is this here in Psalm 118? Remember, this psalm was written with a focus on victory or the completion of construction. Whichever came first, we're not exactly sure. But let's address the reference to cornerstone, and then we'll address the reference in some Bibles to capstone. Okay, cornerstone refers to foundation. God is our strength 
and our foundation. Remember this? There's a lot of parables within the Bible, a lot of things that relate to what's going on today over and over and over again. The cornerstone sets the building, or it's usually a large building, could even be a house, so that it will be, number one, it has to be level, and it has to make sure with that cornerstone, all the other stones fit to that, come off of that. That stone is setting, you know, the foundation for that construction. If you take a look at uh, Hebrew for corner, is sometimes used for leader or ruler. Referring back to Isaiah 13, um, they were um, at that portion of the Bible going from one town to another town. And let me read that to you. So if you look at Isaiah, okay. The officials of Zone have become fools. The leaders of Memphis are deceived. The cornerstones of her peoples have led Egypt astray. Now, who are the cornerstones? They are the leaders who have led, the priests who have led, and the political leaders that have led. They have led people astray. So corner is sometimes used for leader or ruler. Capstone, the capstone is a crowning achievement. The capstone, just as our Christ is our leader, he is our crowning achievement. The capstone is that odd-shaped stone that's usually above a doorway built out of stone or even a um, window that could be built out of stone. You know, you've got the stones that are coming in and what's gonna hold them there? You have an odd-shaped stone. And that odd-shaped stone is usually a stone that's been thrown away. It's been stepped over. It's um, not usable until they get to a point where they need something that's going to hold up all the square-cut or oblong-cut stones. So the Lord is our capstone, too. Some places in the Bible you find cornerstone. Some you find capstone. Some interpretations you find cornerstone. Some you find capstone. They're used interchangeably. The Lord Christ, we lean on him. He holds us. He is our crowning glory. It's usually right at the very center, the very front. Capstone is at the corner of a building. And basically, both symbols are essential for the construction and building of our faith in God. He is our leader, and all else is built upon him. If you turn to Matthew 21, 42, Jesus is telling a parable of the tenants. Three times this parable is quoted by Jesus. Once each in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You don't think he's having to really pound something in or give, give meaning or get people to sit up and say, well, this was really important. And what is, he, what is he quoting and what is he using in there? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone is what he is saying in each one of those parables about the tenants. So it's used in multiple places. And then Peter writes about it in 1 Peter, and he also quotes it in his writing. 
So this is the thing that we find within the Bible. There's so many things here and there. Do you not think that it's about time we sat up and we listened? And we really took notice of what is being said and looked at the fact that the Lord is our capstone, our crowning achievement, and he's our cornerstone and leader. The prophecy of the coming of Jesus was rejected. It was rejected by the people of Israel. The priests did not like this. Those um, that were of leaders of power and in the cities, they did not like this. The, the people of Israel, that there was a lot of talk about the coming of Jesus, that somebody was going to be coming. So if you look at our churches, our churches are a church unto God. It's where we find the Holy Spirit on Sundays. It's where we come to worship together. But it's not the only place that we can pray to our Lord Jesus Christ either, is it? At home, we should be worshiping and praying to the Lord. Returning to Pastor Greg's uh, summary of this series on Psalms, I quote, one of the greatest gifts we offer the world as followers of Jesus is authenticity. Being real about what our lives are like and being real about how God meets us where we are. You can see this throughout Psalms. David crying out. David talking, David's confessing his sins. We've heard about him. I mean, he's done some things that none of us would ever think of doing. The authenticity, though, of having others look at it and say that we always know we fall back on the Lord and that we need to be here and live true to him following his rules, right? Okay, so let's, let's review this real quickly before I end. Psalm 19 is where we started with Brad. And he said, refresh your soul, trust in God as he is in control. Psalm 139, Jeremiah said, God gives us permission to express our angst, our fear, our doubts, all of our feelings on top of our joys, right? Be authentic, not just with others, but with God. We must be authentic with God. You can cry out to him. That's okay. And many of us do that. Remember, as you grow in God, God grows in you. Psalm 100, Rotimi, thank you so much. God works in real ways. We should shout with joy, worship with gladness, acknowledge that the Lord is God and enter his gates with praise. He is faithful. Jeremiah again. If we, okay, now this is important. Think about this. I really had to pause and, you know, I took these notes when I was listening. I said, I got to think about this one. If we can't love people we see, okay, once again, if we can't love people we see, how can we love God who we don't see? I love God who I don't see, and I love all people. When I was young, I was taught, Marlene, you don't hate anyone. You might dislike them a little bit, but you don't hate anyone. We're like God. We love everyone. 
Confess your sins to God and be vulnerable. This totally rings true today and tomorrow. Then Pastor Shane, she said, be in God's presence. Learn to trust him. Hmm, totally. Theo Wilson, is God with you on your journey or only on your destination? It is a bumpy ride, but think about that one. Do you have them with you every day, day in, day out, on your journey? Psalm 103, Ken Sylvia, our God is about righteousness. He sets the standards, he shares his heart's desire, and he has purpose for each of us. So Psalm 118.24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is a great time to sing songs of praise, praise and thanksgiving. But why do them just now? We should be doing them every day. Psalm 23, you are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Why not make that a Thanksgiving Day prayer? You are our God and we will give you thanks. You are our God and we will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. I pray that all of you will go from here today with a renewed spirit, a new goal to read and study the living psalms. Enjoy Thanksgiving, but not just on Thursday, every day. And remember to spend time praising God in song. Please join me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavens.